0: Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is exacted on better promises, enacted, sorry, on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother saying know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest for I will be merciful to their, toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is, being, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away.
1: Let's pray, Chapel Street. Father, we come before you with humble hearts, knowing that your word is truth, that your word speaks of better promises for us as well as Israel. And Lord, I pray as we go through this passage, you would enlighten us. You would show us not the shadow, but the real thing. That you would cause us to understand our part in obedience and that you would help us to see and savor the Lord Jesus Christ. So help me now, Lord, please, uh, to expound on your word in Jesus. Amen. Morning, Chapel Street. Okay. How are you all doing? Okay, some better than others. It's good to be back. And morning to the folks online. Um, we're back in Hebrews and we are juggernauting along now taking huge chunks of scripture uh, rather than the small parts so um, the more we do that the more we have to cover and it seems like every time i come to that the less time we have so we have to power on um, but this is another complex passage isn't it it's dealing with big complex concepts from the old testament that have been fulfilled in christ and we need to just make sure that we tiptoe carefully through it and glean what's really being said because this is a letter to us now the writer has if you remember last time been talking about how jesus has the right to be a high priest he's not a levite but he is a priest in the order of melchizedek and we covered that in quite a bit of detail the reason i remind us of that is he starts this section by saying now the point in what we're saying is this so he's just told us about how jesus is the valid high priest he's allowed rightly to be the high priest just so he can get to this point (laughs) do you get that he's helping us to understand that he's going to say something more important in fact he's going to say something bigger and better and if you will grander but if you think that jesus isn't a high priest then none of it will make sense he says we have such a high priest told you about the high priest you know about them jesus is a great high priest and we have such a high priest but there's a difference this high priest doesn't serve in the physical temple doesn't sacrifice in the same way with the same sacrifices he serves in a better place he serves in heaven he's a minister it says in the holy places in the true tent that the lord has set up not man where every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices Thus, it's necessary for this one, this great high priest, to do the same, but not in the temple. He's ushering in this new, bigger, greater, better, more excellent high priest by beginning to look at a few different things. One is the better temple. One is the better sacrifice. One is the better outcome. And they're in the chapters that are about to follow. So God willing, we'll get through those in time. But in this one, he specifically wants us to focus on the better covenant and the better promises. Just jump down if you will. Hope you've still got your Bibles open or your iPhones on, not playing solitaire. Uh, Look at the word verse 6 but as it is christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better there's a better covenant that christ is mediating why is it better well it says since it is enacted on better promises it's a better covenant it's a new covenant it's better than the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant. That's what he's saying, because it's enacted on better promises. Now, in order for us to understand what these better promises are, we need to understand what the Old Covenant is. We need to understand what the promises in the Old Covenant were and how it worked. Now, I wanted in a way to kind of summarize Exodus 19 to 34, but I realized that would take, couple of days so we won't do that but that's where the covenant starts the mosaic covenant god is a covenant making and a covenant keeping god he made a covenant with a with uh, adam he made a covenant with noah he made a covenant with abraham and he re as it were uh, set it if you will with isaac and jacob and he made a covenant with david king he also gives a covenant to moses but it's different you see with those other men in the bible god unilaterally gave them a covenant and a promise that's what the covenant is he said i'm going to do this but with moses he said you're going to mediate this suddenly there was a man between god and the people that's moses the prophet that mediates that covenant specifically in exodus 19 we hear of that and how the benefits from that promise and from that covenant are amazing god says now therefore if you indeed will obey my voice keep my covenant covenant you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Israel would be God's special possession. That's the promise that's in that. Israel would be a kingdom of priests to God. Israel would be a holy nation. And God would fight for Israel in that covenant. He'll defend her he'll bless her he'll keep her he'll provide for her he'll protect her and in that system in that covenant the levitical priesthood comes forth the law is given think of all the events that happened in the old testament moses going up and down the mountain meeting with god coming back down people rebelling going back up coming back down shining with the glory of god on his face bringing the law and that provided the system that the Levitical priests would uh, invoke for the forgiveness of sins in, context, in the context of the law, the sacrificial system of atonement. People who were unclean would be cleansed, starting with the priests. Sins would be forgiven for a time. Justice could be administered. Moses mediated all this. Aaron, the Levites, the priesthood that the uh, sons of Aaron, continued with it. So Israel has a law, it has a tabernacle, it has a sacrificial system, has an atonement model. It's administered by the Levitical priesthoods. That's the old covenant. That's where it sits, That's where it comes from, and it's different because it's mediated. It's wonderful, don't you think? It's a promise of a, a great future. Don't you think? It's wonderful. It's beautiful. It's just a big problem sitting in it. And I'll read it again. Now, therefore, if indeed you obey and keep my covenant, if you obey and keep my covenant, you'll have these things. It's got a clause in it. It's contingent. The blessing is contingent. It's relying on obedience. If you wanted to keep that covenant, you need to keep the law. Well, how did it work out? It doesn't take much for us to know the answer to that because the Old Testament tells it pretty thoroughly. People of Israel obeyed and kept the covenant? No. They disobeyed. It disobeyed again and again and again. And we have this model, this story of rebellion of Israel in the light of this old covenant that promised all these blessings. Rebellion, returning repentance, rebellion, returning repentance. You're getting the idea. Rebellion, it just went on and on and on and it got worse and worse. And I guess we need to ask the question, but why would God set this great covenant up to be mediated with all the types and figures, with all the um, artifacts in the temple, with the temple itself, ultimately? Why would he set it up and the people would just fail? Well, I want to put some ideas into our minds here about how this covenant works you see on the face of it it looks like just a a thing that you just obey it says that right just obey and the covenant will work it's just a set of rules and if, if you can just obey them then it will work why didn't they do that well they didn't do it because they're sinful because their hearts are not for god see we look at that system and we think it's a system of works and there are works in it but it's really a system of grace that relies on loving god see works don't precede love they follow it that's how that's, how love, that's what love does and the truth is that they don't love god and we've heard this morning in the communion again, being reminded of it, how Israel didn't love God. There's another example in chapter four. The writer says, good news came to us just as to them. Did you hear that? They got the good news. They got the old covenant. (laughs) That's the good news. Well, I've got a sacrificial model that's going to atone for your sin. That's good news, right? That's what we get the same news. That's what he's talking about. Came to us just as to them, but the message that they heard didn't benefit them. Why not? Because they were not united by faith with those who listened. You see, there were some that did love God and did obey. But in the general sense, they didn't. They rebelled. Because they were not united with those people by faith. They didn't believe in God. They just had a system. They didn't love him. They didn't trust him. And so they were not united by faith with the other believers. What might call the real obedience. And faith gives rise to love. And love gives rise to works. It never works the other way around. Love doesn't come from works. It can't, because that's just works. What's the motive for doing just works? Well, it's not love. If it is love, then the works follow love. Do you see what I'm saying without confusing you? Hopefully. There's another one back in Exodus when the law is actually given. In this big picture of of Moses mediating, the law is given. And one of the commandments is not to have any other gods before our God, the true God, not to serve idols. And God says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Listen, of those who hate me. But showing steadfast love for thousands of those who love me and obey my commands do you see obedience needs to follow love romans 9 does it as well talking about israel he says israel says paul who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law they tried Why, says Paul? Because they didn't pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works. They tried to obey on the basis of just obeying. They stumbled, he said. They stumbled, they fell over the stumbling stone. Because they didn't have faith, they didn't love God. And the reason is that their hearts were hardened. It's There in in Hebrews again, I won't quote it, but you know the passage, when you hear the voice, do not harden your hearts, as they did in the day of when they were all in the wilderness. Their hearts were hardened. They didn't have faith in him, and they didn't love him. So that's the old covenant, and that's, if you will, the failure of the old covenant. It's not the covenant that fails not so the promises that fail, the mediator and the response from the people, the people fail. Moses did his job, right? He didn't get into the promised land, but he did his job. He did what he was asked, but the people didn't love God. Now, just want to take, just hold that thought in your head. Don't forget it. Okay. just want to jump to verse four and just explain something verses four and five just have a look with me again now if he referring to the lord jesus were on earth he would not be a priest at all since they are there are priests who offer gifts according to the law We talked about how jesus's ministry is in the heavenly realm listen they serve the priests in the levitical model they serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things for when moses was about to erect the tent he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. You might look at that and think, "Why? what's that? Why has he put that in? That's a strange thing to put in. I just want to say this. Moses was told exactly how to make the tent, exactly how everything had to be, how it had to be put together, what substances to use, what wood to use, what kind of braid would be in the, in the curtain and so on, and the artifacts as well. God spelt it out very very meticulously what god is saying to him at this point is do it the way i said don't create the tent the way you want because the way i'm setting up the tent has a reason because it serves as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly one so if you create the tent you've no idea what the heavenly one's like so what's your tent going to be like here's the rules for it do it like this And we're told there that it's that copy and shadow. It's not actually the real deal, although God lives there and he enacts that Mosaic covenant. Why? Why have a copy? Why have a shadow? Why not just bring the real thing, Lord? Well, because people are meant to look at that and see something else. Not works, but grace shadow i love that he uses that language i want you to imagine for a second that you're in paris some of you perhaps happier about that than others but imagine that you're there for a moment and you're standing with your back to the eiffel tower and the sun is rising through the day and as it rises the shadow goes the other way that's how it works right you're looking at the shadow what can you see you can see the eiffel tower shadow that's what it is what are you actually seeing? Well, just the form. Not the real thing, right? Just the form of it. Not the substance, not the detail, not the glory of it. In order to see the glory of it and the substance and the detail, you need to turn away from it and look at the real thing, right? That's what a shadow is. It's the shadow (laughs) of the real thing. It's not the detail of it. And he's saying that about the old covenant here. He's saying it's a the way I set it up, all the artifacts, everything about it, the model, the priest, everything is a shadow of the big one, the real one. It's a copy. I was thinking of dinky toys, but I don't know if dinky toys ever came to Australia, but little cars that were replicas of bigger cars, but they're about this big. They were dinky. I guess that's the reason they're called dinky toys, Right. And they looked the same, and they were to scale, and they were pretty cool. But when you saw the real Aston Martin, you went, this actually is just a shadow, right? It's a poor copy. Now, I don't want to diminish the old covenant in that way. That would be wrong because of its richness. But he's saying it's just a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. So let's now move forward, now that we know what the old covenant is, how it failed because of hearts that were hardened it's got a beauty in it and a majesty in it but it's only a copy of the bigger beauty and majesty of christ let's move forward from verse six again we've already looked at this briefly but i just want to look at it a little bit more but as it is christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant that he mediates remember moses was a mediator christ is a mediator stands between god and man the covenant that he mediates is better since it was enacted on better promises now just notice this very quickly the writer says that his ministry is much more excellent (laughs) he's using three words to try and give you a bigger picture here it's not just better it's much more excellent right paul uses that language with respect to the things that god is able to do but it's not dwell on that but you can see how it's compounding this is much, much 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 better and it's this covenant that is better because it's rests or is enacted on better promises so what are the promises of the new covenant you might say how does that work what are these better promises sounds a bit sort of vague what are they Well, the good news is he tells us and he tells us by quoting the old testament specifically the prophet jeremiah i find the book of jeremiah very hard it's i think it's the longest book in the bible Um, the kingdom the people of god here is split into two judah which is where the prophet jeremiah preaches and israel which has isaiah And the people are rebelling and rebelling and rebelling. And if you wanted to summarize in very simplistic language what Jeremiah is about, it's this. You need to repent. Stop rebelling. People are repenting. Then they rebel. You need to repent. Stop rebelling. People are repenting. And it just goes on like that. And it gets worse. And eventually, Isaiah, as the prophet of God, says, look, God's going to take you away. He's going to take you into captivity you're going to go into exile you cannot worship as the people of god in the land that he promised to give you please repent and it goes on and on and on and on that way but 600 years before christ that's when jeremiah's around he prophesies something staggering verse seven it's just a direct quote First, the writer says, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. If, if the first covenant had made people holy and perfect and righteous, we didn't need Jesus. For he, God, finds fault with them, the Israelites, when he says, Jeremiah pre- uh, prophesying now, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish listen, a new covenant, a new one, with the house of israel and with the house of judah not like the covenant that i made with their fathers on the day when i took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of egypt for they did not continue in my covenant and i showed no concern for them declares the lord i'm going to make a new covenant it's different from the old it's not like that mosaic covenant there's a new one coming this is from the old testament This is prophesied from the Old Testament. In the midst of all the Israelites rebelling and about to be taken into captivity, the Lord says, I'm going to make a new one. Wow. It's not a New Testament idea. When Jesus says, behold, I'm the new covenant. This is a new covenant in my blood. It's not a new idea. It's an ancient idea. It's in the Old Testament. And then he says what it is. Verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. Here it comes. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. And it goes on about no one needs to be taught about God because everyone will be a believer. The so next passages. Did you hear it? I'll put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. You might say, well, that sounds a little bit like the old covenant, but it isn't. It's different because the old covenant was kind of external. Moses the mediator was organizing the, as it were, in the positive sense, the performance of all the things that God instituted the enactment, the activity of the Old Covenant. But they were outward. But the great high priest doesn't work in that temple, does he? He works in the heavenly one, and he works in a different way. He works to change the inward. That's the fundamental difference between the Old Covenant and the new. Christ works to change what's inside. I will write... Let me quote it correctly. I will put I will put my laws in their mind. It won't be outside that they just try and observe and obey. I'll put it in their minds. I'll get it to where their consciences are, and I'll write it on their hearts. Well, the hearts, the place where the law needs to be written, isn't it? It's different. See the law the old covenant was the thing that tested the heart it could never make people perfect because the people people's faith was weak because it was ultimately just based on works but in the new covenant faith is not weak because it's not dependent on us it's dependent on the great high priest who's done the work and that brings a new heart, a new one. It brings a new spirit, and it's based not on works, but on faith. Not on the law, but on the fulfillment of the law by the great high priest. we've got a better high priest that's what great means got a better one we've got the best one there is no better than jesus we've got a better high priest we've got a better covenant we've got better promises and so we are transformed regenerated you know where i'm going hopefully you know where i'm going yes some of you nodding And that's based on faith. The access that we have to that, it's a grace model, right? Same as the old covenant, really. But it's accessed by faith. And when we get that faith, we get a new heart. When we get that new heart, we obey. Or at least we want to. Do you want to obey? I want to obey. I struggle to obey, but I want to obey Christ. That's a work of God because I've got a new heart. I claim to be a Christian and I don't really want to obey, don't struggle with my sin. Then I need to ask the question, have I got a new heart? Is my relationship around this law and judgment based on faith in Christ? So, of course, we go to the prophet Ezekiel. Now, the prophet Ezekiel is in the exile. Did you know that? He's in captivity. That's where he prophesies from and i know it's very confusing he seems to go to jerusalem and it's all very it's very very complex book but he's experiencing the exile but he puts this new covenant like this god says through him i will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols, I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Did you know that? Not just a new heart, you get a new spirit. I'll put it within you, within you. (laughs) And I will remove the heart of stone. I'll remove the hard heart that you have. From your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, a soft heart. And I will put my spirit within you. We get a new heart, a new spirit, and we get his spirit within us. And cause you, listen, to walk in my laws and to be careful to obey my rules that's the new covenant that's what changed everything in terms of how we try and obey god that's the work of the great high priest in us we call it regeneration we call it being born again peter says we've been born again we've been regenerated to a new and living hope It's kept. Where? In heaven. By who? The great high priest. Why? He's interceding for us. Didn't we look at that last time? He's he's still the great high priest. Doesn't take that job off and say, well, I've done that. I'm not going to bother. He carries on interceding, interceding. It's kept. We have a great hope because we've been born again. See, something has to change. Now, I know some people, when they become a Christian, they don't notice when they become a Christian, necessarily. But there is a change that's happened. Where does it start? In there. I'm a sinner. God is holy. What a a thing to recognize. Dead people don't recognize those things. Only regenerated, reborn people recognize those things. We think differently about sin. We think differently about ourselves. We think differently about the world. And we think differently about God. Maybe we start to fear him. As we should maybe we recognize every knee will bow my knees will bow my tongue will confess what jesus is lord to the glory of the father it says that's that's what it's all about right jesus is the great high priest i'll just finish this section and we'll look at some very very basic application in view of time at the end in verse 13 he simply says in speaking of a new covenant he christ makes the first one the mosaic covenant obsolete did he wow that's a heavy word obsolete and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish and you know what it's vanished the jews don't have their temple anymore they don't have the artifacts. God is no longer in the temple. Another religion, a false religion, a lie, is in that temple. Breathing out lies in the midst of the place where the Mosaic covenant was enacted. It's gone. It's got, this is kind of like prophecy, right? This is just before AD 70 when Jerusalem is sacked and they all flee. The Jews flee. You might say, well, they will come back. Yes, but this has not come back. Is obsolete. Because let's be honest, if you had Christ, who is the great high priest, fulfills the law, is the genuine sacrificial lamb, right? Tones fully for the law. You have that. Why do you need the old? You don't. It's gone. It's finished. You just need the new, right? It's a new covenant. (laughs) Jesus Christ is the mediator of that covenant. Moses was just a type, a model, a shadow. All that came through him, a type, a model, a shadow. Jesus is the real mediator. And I don't know how you want to dwell on the thought of that, whether you, uh, as I sometimes do, ponder the cross and think what's going on. How does it happen? Where is it happening? Who's doing the judgment? But I'll tell you this, without the Mosaic covenant, you'd understand nothing. Of Christ and what's going on, you'd understand nothing. People would say Jesus died on the cross for you. What does that mean? What 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 does that mean? It doesn't mean anything to me. But when you understand the mosaic covenant and how the sacrificial system works and what the law is and how there's a mediator and how there are priests and how there's a temple right suddenly you begin to see the cross in a different way you turn away as it were and see the eiffel tower you stop looking at the shadow and start looking at christ and say wow i always say it when i'm up here you couldn't make it up could you you couldn't make the old covenant up it's it's just weird and complex and it doesn't seem to work But when you see the new covenant in the light of the old and the old covenant in the light of the new wow it all starts to fit together. No man, I'm serious, no man could invent this stuff. It's so complex, it's so beautiful, and so perfect. We have a better mediator, we have a better covenant, and it rests on better promises. And those promises are that you get a new heart and a new spirit, and you will obey Christ, not perfectly. And when you fail, you will come back to that great high priest, not the temple in in, uh, in in Israel. And you will say, "I'm sorry," and he will say, "I forgive you." I'm the great high priest. I paid it all, Sam. I forgive you. Keep coming back because you're going to fail, but I forgive you. Changes our hearts, and we know him, and we trust him. And so we obey him. It's grace. And you receive it. By faith. Do you find it amazing? I find it incredible. I find it staggering. I'll finish with this. This is Peter. He's talking about exactly the same things. He's talking about how Jesus is a living stone. See me explaining how it's different in Christ. I want you to drink it in, in the context of everything we've heard. Peter says, scripture says, look, I'm going to lay in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. This is Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, did you hear that? The honor is for you, Christian, who believe. But for those who do not believe, quote, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, it's the center of faith. And a stone of stumbling, sound familiar? And a rock of offense. Now listen carefully they referring to the israelites stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do but you christian you're a chosen race chosen race you're a royal priesthood Jesus isn't just the great high priest. He's the king. You're, you're a royal priesthood, Christian. A holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you weren't a people, but now you are God's people. Once you'd not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy because of the new covenant because you trusted god and he gave you a new heart and a new spirit and so you obey drink it in folks this is your great high priest and mine and i pray that you live and love him and you work for him and for his glory because there's no other way. Let's pray. Father, again, I just uh, pause and try to drink in, Lord, the majesty of Christ, the mediator of a better covenant that's enacted fully based on better promises for us, And, Lord, I pray that each one of us here would marvel and wonder and rejoice, humbly, praising God, that we ultimately become a royal priesthood. Father, thank you for your word, for the way that it speaks to itself perfectly from the Old Testament to the New and across every page. I thank you today, Lord, for Jeremiah, for the way you prophesied through him to us today. And I pray, Lord, as we leave here, that we would rejoice knowing that if we trust and believe and follow and obey Jesus Christ, we have a new heart and a hope that does not perish or fade. In Jesus' name, amen.